Stephen Flight was a 30-year-old man in Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids, Michigan. He knew he had been adopted, but he'd never met his birth mother. And around his 30th birthday, he decided he wanted to find her. He talked to his adoptive parents and was put in touch with the adoption agency, a local adoption agency there in Grand Rapids but they didn't have much information on Steve Flight's mother. He took the little information he had and he began to search online, but he couldn't find anything. He couldn't find his mother. The person who'd created him seemed so distant. Maybe she'd left the city, maybe she'd left the country, maybe she'd even gone to the other side of the world. And I wonder how many of us feel that way about God, the one who created us. How many of us feel like God is so distant and so removed that God might as well be on the other side of the world? How many of us feel like God has nothing to do with our daily lives? Today we read a, a story about Jacob. You certainly have heard much of this before. Jacob was Isaac and Rebekah's second son. He was a twin with Esau, and Esau was born just before him. Jacob's name actually means heel grabber, as though he was grabbing at his brother's heels, as though he was trying to jockey for first place to be that eldest child. Jacob's whole childhood was sort of defined by this name, heel grabber, Jacob. He was trying to get in front of his brother. You may remember the story about how Jacob convinced his brother Esau to sell his birthright for a can of, of lentil soup. I think of Campbell's lentil soup. Later in life, as, as Jacob's father was dying, Jacob dressed up like his brother he put on his brother's clothes and he made his arms feel hairy like his brother's arms. And he received a blessing from his father, a special blessing meant for Esau. At this point, Esau, the elder brother, was so fed up with Jacob that he decided he was going to kill his younger brother. So Jacob fled and he went to the land of Haram and there he sort of started over in life. He became a shepherd. He married a, a young lady named Rachel. They had 12 children. Try to wrap your heads around that for a second. His family grew. His business was successful. And decades passed. And eventually, Jacob decided to return to his home. Of course, this meant that he would confront Esau, the brother who had wanted to kill him 20 years prior. So he began to head home with all his children and his wife and, and all those around them and all their possessions. And as he neared his home, he heard that his brother Esau was approaching him with an army of 400 men. Jacob was terrified so the night before he would, he would confront his brother, he sent his family ahead of him, and he stood on the banks of a river, 
And there he prayed to God. Think about this. Jacob is a liar. He's a deceiver. He cheated his brother out of his birthright. He deceived his father when his father was on his deathbed. Would God really listen to Jacob's prayers? Jacob didn't deserve it. But then again, there are times when I pray and I think I don't deserve to have my prayers heard. As Jacob was praying on that riverbank, a figure appeared and started to fight and wrestle with Jacob. Jacob probably assumed that this was his brother Esau or someone sent by him come, come to kill Jacob. But as the night went on and this wrestle, this fight continued, it became apparent to Jacob that he wasn't wrestling a person. He was somehow wrestling a divine being, an angel or God himself. During this wrestling match, this being touched Jacob's hip and his hip was knocked out of its socket. Eventually, Jacob demanded a blessing. And God, or this angel, said, what is your name? And Jacob told him. And then God said, your name shall now be Israel. Israel means one who has wrestled with God. And God blessed Jacob and departed. And the next day, Jacob went and met with his brother, and they were reconciled. So what's the point of this story? The point is that when Jacob thought he was in his darkest hour, when he literally thought he might die and his family might be slaughtered the next day, when he thought he was totally alone, God was much, much closer than he realized. And the same is true of us. When we find ourselves in dark moments in our lives, God is right there with us. So what's the relevance of this? Why is this practical or important in our lives as we go about our business? If we don't understand that God is near us, it brings out two problems. First of all, if we think God has nothing to do with our lives, then it's so easy for us to become arrogant and egotistical and prideful after all, that means everything that we've accomplished, we've accomplished on our own. It means we, we might look down at others and say, well, if they haven't accomplished as much as I have, it's because they're not working as hard or they're not making the right decisions. Secondly, if we don't realize how intimately God is involved in our lives, it ironically can also make us despondent and hopeless at times. Because we are all going to face a challenge at some point in our lives that we know we can't overcome on our own. And yet if we understand the nearness, the closeness, the intimacy of, that God has with each of us, then we won't become prideful because we will realize that our successes include God's involvement. And we won't become hopeless because we'll realize that our challenges, God is there to walk, uh, walk through with us. Today we're celebrating our relationship with the cathedral school, 
I see some families from the, from the cathedral school and teachers and faculty, so thank you for being here. We gather here in the church with these children from the cathedral school each week. The children sit on, on these steps right here, and I go sit on the floor, except for when I'm feeling a little old and my knees are hurting, then I'll sit in a chair. But at the beginning of each chapel service, we'll, we'll light a candle, and we'll remind the kids that this candle is a reminder that we are all called to carry God's light into the world with us. And then we'll go through the chapel service, and we'll teach a lesson, and we'll sing some songs. And at the very end, we'll tell all the kids to get quiet. And then we'll take a snuffer, and we'll put out the candle. And when we lift this candle snuffer off the candle, what you see is this, this trail of smoke that goes up into the air. And Deacon Linda and I will ask the children, where did the smoke go? And one of the kids might say, it went over there. And then another will say, it went over there. And another will say, it went up there. And we'll keep asking until one of the kids inevitably answers, it went everywhere. Smoke went everywhere. And that's the way God's love is, we'll say. And that's the way God's presence is we will say to the children. God is always with us. God is everywhere. There's no place where we can go where God will not be. We read a parable that Jesus told about a poor woman, a poor widow, who was seeking justice from an uncaring and cold-hearted judge. He had no concern for justice, no concern for this woman, but eventually, this judge gave in and gave the woman justice because she kept pestering him and pestering him and pestering him, and he just got so tired of hearing her that he figured he might as well give her what she wanted. And then Jesus asks the question, how much more do you think God, who created you and loves you, will do when you pray to him? In other words... God hears all our prayers, even our whispers of prayers. God is much closer than we think. In a few minutes, the, the children from the cathedral school are going to come back and they'll, they'll sing a song. And the lyrics are, I won't sing them, I won't subject you to that, but the lyrics are, my God is so great, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And in chapel, when they sing this song, at the very end, they'll say, for you, and then they'll say, and for you, and for you, and for you, and there'll be a cacophony of all the kids reminding each other, pointing at each other, that there's nothing God can't do for each of them. God is present with all of us. And somehow, as we grow into adults, we can forget this. We can forget this nearness of God. So what can we do in a practical way to remind ourselves that God is present with us? Well, here are two ideas. There's an ancient Christian practice of a breathing prayer where you breathe in and out as you say certain words. You can do this as you're running or, or as you're trying to meditate. A perfect example is, is the phrase Maranatha, which means come, Lord. And you can breathe in and out 
to a syllable as you're, as I said, running or meditating. Second of all, you can find a way to begin each day with a reminder that God is present. For example, you can read a daily devotional, or the dean here at the cathedral, Dean Kate, puts out a daily video devotional, which you can watch each day and begin each day by reflecting on God's presence in your life. For Steve Flight in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he spent years searching for his mother. He'd reached out to this local adoption agency. He'd gotten some paperwork, but not enough to track her down. He eventually decided to talk to one of his best friends, a man who he worked with at Lowe's. So Steve Flight took all his research and he brought it in. And at lunch with his friend while they were sitting at a table in the back room at Lowe's, he showed him all the paperwork he had. And Steve told his friend how he'd hit this wall and he couldn't make any progress. His friend was looking at the paperwork and his friend asked, what did you say your mother's name was, your birth mother? And Steve said, well, right here, her name, it shows, is, is Christine Holly. But I've searched online. I can't find anyone by that name. And Steve's, and Steve's friend said, that doesn't say Christine Holly. That says Christine Halliday. And when he said that name, they both stopped talking. They recognized the name. Christine Halliday was the manager at the Lowe's where they worked. For years, these two had worked alongside one another. Stephen talked to his mother in the coming days and explained the story. She told him that she had no idea who he was, but, but she had given him up because she loved him and she wanted a better life for him than she thought she could provide. In the coming years, Christine and Stephen developed a deep and loving relationship between this mother and this son. What Stephen found is this woman who he was searching for, who'd, who'd created him, who'd loved him, was much closer than he'd ever realized. You and I need to foster an awareness that God is so close to us. Like Jesus explained in this parable, we need to realize that God is so intimately involved in our lives that God will hear all our prayers. Like Jacob experienced, we need to have a confidence that when we are in our darkest hour, God is right there with us. And like Stephen Flight learned, we need to develop a confidence that the one who created us and who loves us is much closer than we may realize. After all, God is much closer than any of us can comprehend. Amen.